0: Life Planning 101.
1: Hi there. This is Matt Irvin with Kennedy Financial Services, and I have Aaron Kennedy here as well. Today, we're going to take a few minutes and talk to you about what's going on in the market. When we put this together, we tried to come up with kind of a one theme. Although there's many things going on, we had to pick one. And Today, we're going to look at some of the reasons why inflation is driving interest rates and growth isn't i going to talk some about that and give you some insight, but uh, I want to turn it over to Aaron and say, why Aaron, why is inflation driving interest rates and not growth?
0: That's the big question right now. And it's on the top of everybody's mind right now, and we're seeing it in the media, all the talking heads, and it's pushing the markets on some pretty wild swings. It's pretty incredible at this point, you know, so far over the last, what will become a 13 months. We printed 30% more dollars here in the U.S. What is that doing to prices? Everything is skyrocketing right now. I'm sure everybody's heard. You know, lumber's up a, a tremendous amount. I think 260%. Steels more than doubled. Copper, chemicals, just across the board. Anything you want to purchase right now that is made with any kind of hard assets is just going through the roof. And it's not because we're using more of it. We're not going anywhere. Economically, we're not doing anything. But we printed a whole ton of money and that money has to go somewhere. It's flowing into the price of price of inputs, Yeah.
1: What did we hear the other day? That the lumber on the stump has not changed since something like 2016, but yet a sheet of plywood is three times as much as it was Mm. 12 months ago. That's exactly
0: right. Who's making the money? And I think we get to speak to a lot of cattle ranchers and they're in the same boat. You know, who's making the money there? It's not the people feeding the cows and working them and owning them to sell. Those prices haven't increased. They've never gone down, actually. Right. But, man, go to the grocery store. You ain't paying less for meat right now.
1: No, nope. So the money is made between where they're basically standing on their hooves and turn into a product at the grocery store. That middleman, the processors, if you will, and we've known that, right? And it's fairly common. So now it's happening in other areas in the, in mining, like Aaron said, you know, real estate's going through the roof, you know, those hard assets, the things people want.
0: It's getting very, very expensive. And the scary thing is it's from the actions of our Federal Reserve at this point. I actually emailed an article to Matt yesterday, and it came from CNN. I had to put some disclaimers on there. I wasn't on the site reading it. I just clicked the link. But they were talking about how much of a problem inflation has been for our country, meaning that we have not had any inflation. We've actually been living in a deflationary environment. We've been taking out a lot of debt, and it's much easier to inflate that debt away than pay it back. They've been struggling. But how do we get inflation up high enough to help them from that perspective? And
1: last year, I believe they figured it out. Yeah, they're sure trying. So some of the things that we look at to see what is going on with inflation is is obviously CPI. Core CPI came in at three times the estimate. It was estimated to grow at 0.3 and came in at 0.9. Prices inflated three times what the economists were estimating. And so that would have been followed up great with an awesome jobs creation report. And what did they miss that? 75%? How many jobs did they create there? 75%
0: off. We were expecting somewhere around a million jobs uh, come to market, and we had around 250000 That's devastating. Everybody saw that on TV. We've seen government step out now and say, hey, no more unemployment. The jobs are there. People are begging for workers. Go back to work. And where are we at? we have four states that have done that yeah,
1: four or five. And, and there's some, a lot, and there's actually many, um, I listen to some programs coming in in the morning. There's many money managers, that ask, they cry for that one thing. Is the unemployment creating the lack of jobs, the bonus to stay home, if you will. And, and many people believe that's a strong proponent. And so there's several states trying to lead that and cut that extra stuff off. I mean, there's no doubt. People need a hand every once in a while, but to uh, turn your new income from the government and say you're looking for a job when there's, I'm sure if you're like us, you drive down the same streets and see the same help wanted signs in about every window. And the interesting thing to add on to that, so when we're thinking prices inflated three times what we projected, we missed the jobs by 75%. So less people working, things cost more. So the next factor that came in was sales. Sales was flat on growth and that doesn't mean there was no sales. That means people didn't spend any less the month before than they did this month. So they're still spending money. All that savings that they were worried about, you know, there was a, gosh, we talked six months ago. There was the highest savings rates ever. People were scared and now they're somehow super comfortable and they're spending the money. They're not going back to work, but they're spending the money. But they're spending the money and we're seeing prices move, like we said in inflation.
0: And those unemployment checks, the stimulus checks, they are not increasing. So we're actually buying fewer goods, even though we're we're giving money away.
1: What were you telling me? You explained it so well, somehow I ended up on a desert island stranded with Aaron. I don't know how that worked out, but he was telling me a story about coconuts and seashells, and it actually helped paint a good picture of inflationary price. You want to share that with us?
0: um, If we're printing money, I'm going to make this as simple as possible. And I know there's a lot of different variables out there, but just the main principle of the deal. So if me and Matt were on an island and we split the island down the middle and we knew we were gonna be stuck there for let's say three to four months short term. My side of the island, I owned all the coconuts. I had all the food on the island. And on Matt's side of the island, he had all the money, the currency. And for our currency, we were using seashells. So in our mini economy, all of my food was worth all the money in our economy. So if Matt had one seashell, all of my coconuts were worth one seashell. Sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, not bad. Let's say a couple weeks, couple months into it, we have a a horrendous uh, hurricane. And after the storm, Matt wakes up in the morning and goes out there on the beach and he finds 30 new seashells. So what are my coconuts worth? You didn't get 30 more coconuts, did you? I did not. My coconuts are worth all the currency on the island. So whether matt had one seashell or thirty, my coconuts are worth
1: all of them. It's gonna take a lot more seashells or an inflated price to get the same amount of goods. Yes. All the goods and services in our economy
0: should be worth all of our currency. So no matter how much we print, it's the same. It's worth all of it. I know we can get into arguments about velocity of money and all that, and I don't don't want to go there, but I just wanted to point out that printing is going to be painful because we have to absorb that money. We just don't get 30% more wealthy. It's even in the end. It works out to be even. Prices go up 30, money goes up 30. We're exactly the same.
1: Well, and, and demand, it's, it's almost a double-edged sword in our economy today because demand is up. You know, people are staying at home, and so they're using more Amazon and getting more shipped goods, and, and they're chasing it with more dollars. And so there's kind of a more dollars are going after less goods, if you will. And it's, you know, Americans, by our nature, were greedy. There was a, a gasoline shortage on the East Coast. I'm sure everybody heard about it. Yeah. Grandma and her minivan with six cans of extra gasoline were hoarders. Heard somebody talk about uh, microchips this morning, right? So the, all the manufacturers are needing chips, phones, uh, automobiles. So they're gonna get more chips made. And the one thing he said was, once we get the chips up to speed, we're gonna hoard them because we're gonna be fearful of another thing. And so fear, right? Fear drives that greed to have more than we need. Yes, in the
0: long run, if we're not efficient of using our assets, Uh, prices do one of two things. They go up in value or down in value. You know, if we're not efficient, we're either going to have inflation or deflation. And the less efficient we are, the more inflation that we have.
1: So where are we at today, Aaron? We've talked about kind of this uncertain environment. We've talked about things we're looking for. Even some of the best analysts that we follow are sitting in, in kind of in this you know, wait and see mode. So talk to me about where we're at and some decisions that we may need to face. With this
0: inflation problem, there's one main tool that our Fed uses, uh, and that's in, in increasing uh, interest rates. And one of the tailwinds we've had in this huge growth environment over the last 10 years was decline in interest rates. So if we start to go the other way, it's gonna start putting the brakes on growth. I was just doing some hypothetical numbers for some illustrations earlier today. I took a basic model of growing a dollar's worth of revenue over uh, five five years. years at 30%. And over that five year period, I discounted one at interest rates that we had eight months ago versus 10%. And over that short amount of time, that changed the value of those growth stocks by 50%. And you've got to know when you're dealing in growth, a lot of the times those companies are not making money at all. They're piling all their cash back into research and maybe their sales force. And a lot of time, if you listen, you know, they're, hey, this company's not going to turn a profit until 2031. This company's not gonna turn a profit until
1: somewhere way out in the future. So we're
0: trying discounts are very, very important.
1: So we're trying to buy on that, we're trying to buy future growth. We don't have a current dividend. So it's all about what's gonna happen down the road. And then to your point, discounting it. So what that could mean is are we curving the top or are we just getting started?
0: Right. Where are we at? Where's it end? Last year we set a precedent of how we help in an economic downturn. We turn on the printers and start handing out money left and right. And this is what's created the problem that we're in. So if this doesn't work right now, you know, we have way increasing inflation or prices and no economic growth. What's our government going to do to kind of spur that forward? They're going to do more of the same. They're going to print more.
1: What would be the motivation is the people don't go want to go back to work, they keep printing money. Business owners can't find employees, so they end up going out of business, they're forced to behave like some of those people that are just collecting a, a, that universal income check, if you will.
0: Yes. One of the great examples, look at that new infrastructure bill. 5% of it, is
1: it 5% that's actually infrastructure? Yeah. And bridges and roads and, and all that? Yeah, there's definitely a couple of proposals that are much less than the grand one, and it's well under half.
0: It's absolutely crazy. So it's just another example of truly just printing money to put it out in the system
1: without any kind of economics behind it at all. Right. So we're trying to find some direction, right? And I think everybody's in our camp. So Aaron, the other day, we shaved off some of our most volatile growth, some of the emerging markets technology.
0: We took off all of our emerging market technology as a sector because we didn't want overpowering exponential growth in there, not knowing what our interest rates are going to be. We still wanted the exposure of getting out of some of the U.S., so we did flip it straight over to straight-up emerging markets. But we're trying to get that exponential or huge future growth out of our portfolio. And we want to own things that can benefit us now. What benefits with inflation? Hard assets. Hard assets. Cereal boxes. You know, we were still going to use food, and I'm not going to go hungry if the price of cereal doubles.
1: We talked yesterday about breaking an arm, right? Yeah, you know, you're still,
0: still going to go to the doctor. Right. So we're trying to get our portfolio moved in that direction, but the swings have been so wild. Uh, I was just going back over the last 30 days where growth as a whole is, is down about five and a half percent, where value is up seven and three quarters. Big yeah. swing pretty big. That's a 13% difference. We did a call yesterday and we were kind of describing it as like when people get fearful, they want things that they can hold in their hand. They want things that they can use today and benefit from today. And that's the part of the market that really hasn't participated in a really long time. we have been hearing this beautiful item for a long time, value is dead.
1: Right. Yeah, value is not dead though, right? So value is something that comes off the bottom. We've been in such an expansion mode for what's it been, 14 years or something to that effect. So, you know, value kind of took a step to the side. And then now that we saw some correction in prices, we realized that those airlines are not going out of business. You know, it may be a little slower than some others, but we're going to survive. Yeah. The hope,
0: we talk about hope, the hope, that's exactly right. And if we do get this economy back rolling, and that's an if, because we got to get workers, we have to get workers, but we're going to reinflate our economy. And if we are reinflating, that means more people out on the road, more people traveling, more people building, you know, so all the inputs, the copper, the steel, the cement, the aggregates, you know, the food, All of it. We're going to be using more of it. And that cyclical trade, which has been so cheap for a long time, should increase. And it's the perfect storm with rising interest rates. That's where you want to be. I want my things now. I want the things that are going to pay me something today instead of praying at hopes 10 years from now. I don't know what 10 years looks like now.
1: No, we don't, and there's even the risk of kind of a a reset. We talk about a little bit of a reset to say, okay, we're going to have this jump in value. We're going to kind of have a pulse or a pause. You know, there's some folks talking about, you know, interest rates hike through the end of the year, but then there's no vision past that. So we may hit a time that they go up and we have this kind of painful inflationary price. And then things kind of give, like give us a calm. You know, big picture,
0: 2021 to 2023 is just a blip on the map. Uh, and if we're looking ahead, technology isn't going to slow down. Our lives are not going to be impacted less by technology in the future. That's going to be a long term growth driver. And it's hugely deflationary. We were just talking about it with that Jim earlier about McDonald's and the kiosks and the workers We gladly trade workers for a kiosk.
1: Well, we talked about the employee budget, right? Yeah. The Employee budget is going to be the same. It might employ three kiosks that don't take sick leave, don't have healthcare, don't need a vacation, and one staff member to support the three kiosks. Or we can hire four people that may or may not be there depending on Other circumstances, health, children. There's a lot of things that go on, but nonetheless, Nonetheless, technology can replace them,
0: and it's not slowing down. It's expanding and growing. But you know, more than likely, we had too much market movement last year for technology. It was just through the roof. It was wonderful year for big tech. Now we have uh, interest rates moving, so you know it's kind of regrouping there. And I do think we're going to have a huge inflation push, and I don't know when it stops. Somewhere between now and 2023, whether prices inflate 50% or whatever it is, then we're back in the same exact playbook as we were in 2019, where technology is driving down prices, and we're right back to being deflationary. So this is all going to be short term,
1: It's interesting to think about all the things of the growth story that people stayed home, and there is a certain amount of workers that will continue to work remote. That's not going to change. But even some of the large banks are saying, "All right," the J.P. Morgan said, "We will have the offices full by this summer." You know, allow people to get in there, but they want you know that collaboration is sometimes. Irreplaceable and so people are going to find the things that work for them, but nonetheless, the technology drove up and now we're needing less of it because there are as a hybrid.
0: I don't think anything ever
1: goes back to
0: the way it was, but I don't think it's going to be near as severe as what we were thinking this time last year. A different world, but not new. Yeah,
1: an adaptation, if you will, but we'll grow forward so. It looks like we're trying to, you know, we're really trying to take advantage of that, be smart, be patient, you know, slow things down. One of the worst things we could do would be to act as volatility. We need to be really mindful of our emotions. You know, we were talking about that earlier. You know, there'd be things that we want to do, but we have to check ourselves and hold ourselves accountable as stewards of this business and say, are we being emotional? You know, sometimes it's easy to identify that in others, but very difficult to identify that in ourselves. That's exactly right.
0: And uh, one of the things that we're looking at is one of our
1: positions
0: is this exponential growth. And it hasn't been fun to hold this year. Last year knocked it out of the park, you know, but this year it's down double digits. And with our views, we need to get out of it. But we got a couple of things that we're kind of working through. Number one, we got to pay taxes if you're in a taxable account. And that's never fun. And are we doing this because we're terrified of what's going on? And are we doing a good job? Meaning, you know, if we get out of this and get safe or go to Staples or something like that, and then it turns around and rebounds, that's absolutely the worst case scenario possible.
1: What do you want to look back and not regret? That's exactly right. We're we're T-ball. There's no doubt about it. And so we try to take the more conservative approach. But on the flip side, we have to say, you know, are we doing it because we're trying to be too conservative because we follow many money managers and how much did we see money managers get conservative in 2019 and missed out on so much of what they could have had because the market cycle was a year too long. And so uh, nothing wrong with tightening your belt a little, but it goes back to the saying, I think Jim says it all the time, you got to make hay when the sun's shining.
0: That's exactly right. And one of the hardest parts today is we're not thinking about this, but if we were terrified, you know, and we did take something to cash, what do we lose? What do we give up? Right now, it looks like just from inflationary numbers, we're giving up double digits. uh, What's the inflation's up over 4% year to date, projected to be six to eight? Yeah. So if you had a hundred bucks, it's buying $96 worth of goods. And, you know, just back of the envelope. You know, by the time this inflation gets through just from the printing, you're going to lose 25% of your purchasing power.
1: That doesn't sound like a good bet then. No, that's not a safe
0: place to be. And, you know, there's not a lot of places to go. If we're trying to protect our actual dollar, where do you go? Gold? Uh, crypto? Yeah, in theory, that's a wonderful place to be, but not from a safety standpoint. It's not... Well the it's, just, it's not priced calmly. Well, the the premiums
1: costly. are getting pinched, right? So it used to be that you could, yeah. you know, your level of safety could be determined by the duration of the bond, if you will, the length of the teeter totter But now it doesn't pay you much more to take corporate risk than it does to take government risk, right? Short yeah. treasuries versus corporates.
0: Yeah. Even the spread of high yield is lower than it's been in almost ten years. You don't get any extra return taking a double B bond than a treasury. The precedence was set that our government would turn around and buy those, oh, so the price went up to reflect it. But holding on, you, know, you don't get that extra yield, and basically the only thing we're gonna be relying on is that double B bond going to a triple B, or that triple B going to a, an A. And if our economy reflates, that's gonna happen.
1: But what if only 25% of the people go back to work? And that's the key, right? We reflect. We need to get people back working and there's some big misses there and we'll watch it as it comes. And the best thing that we can do is right now be patient and be nimble and let the data talk to us and try to make our best educated decision based on our disciplines. And we're not throwing out the playbook. We're sticking to it more sharply now because when we came out of the bottom, Uh, In 2020, it's like you could crawl up on the ladder and grab at anything and you were going to make some money. You know, what was that? You talk about, uh, was it the 90s was that way? Yeah, right? Monkey throwing darts. So we're hitting the further out fruit where we got to reach more, and we're not in the business of reaching too far. You know, there's too much risk of falling off the ladder, so we want to get back disciplined and, you know, we talked about getting paid to wait, so we try to find things right now like some of those uh, things that are doing so well in value are also offering some incentives to to hang out. Right.
0: They'll pay us to sit there and hold on to them. And these companies are downright cheap compared to what these growth companies were priced at. So it's going to be a place that we can still participate in the market. Um, We should still be able to get market returns. We just need to do it at a lot safer spot and not safe from Not losing money, so, for our compliance team. From a safe point of
1: getting more conservative in our equity exposure. Yes. So it's all about volatility. You know, we talk about risk and volatility a lot. Uh, we go through our stress test constantly to help illustrate that. And that's what we're talking about, you know, kind of shrinking up our roller coaster, if you will. You know, the Texas Giants not made for everybody. And so we want to, you know, shrink it up a little bit. I don't want to lose my stomach near as much at the bottom, you know, yeah, before I give it great. away. Are you a mini mom train or a yeah. Texas John? So some, some days I want to jump on the Dumbo ride with my kids. But nonetheless, that's the most important thing. Always. We get your risk, right. We stay focused. We stay disciplined. We stick to our fundamentals and it's helped us through every situation that we've come to. And we believe it'll help us through every situation that we face. It looks different. It's not really different. We look back in history and can find relatable points. We stick to what we know. We're not throwing darts in the wind in the pitch black alley, right? We're trying to to stay focused and make those educated decisions. And we always encourage to ask questions or concerns, please call us. We're here. Thanks, everybody. Really enjoyed this. Hope everybody else did as well. God bless, everybody. And uh, we appreciate you and appreciate the, the families that we work with.
0: Services Incorporated is an independent of Calton and Associates Incorporated and Smart Money Group, LLC.